It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's me. Before we get into today's show, I just want to give a little disclaimer. This podcast was recorded before the NBA released its uh, very silly, new, more quote-unquote tight restrictions for how players should be operating, how teams should be operating to protect themselves from COVID. No high fives or anything like that, as though players aren't sweating on each other for 48 minutes in a row. It's all very silly. And look, this podcast and uh, basically every episode going forward will all be done sort of under the cloud of this probably shouldn't be happening at all and things are spiraling out of control, not just in the NBA, but basically everywhere and it's a problem and we're still going to soldier through. I'm selfishly happy there is basketball to distract me as the world burns around us all, but just a note, I'm not like trying to not talk about it during this episode I just was talking about the game from last night there's very little mention of the you know ramped up COVID cases and all that stuff in the league but it's still a thing that's on my mind every single day and it's a bummer and if the season is paused at any point here I will entirely agree with it but for now we soldier on with our daily Raptors podcast enjoy today's episode oh like because when I shot I expected to make it so like I don't shoot kind of miss you are locked on Raptors Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free top of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 863 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, January the 12th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And please make sure you're finding the podcast on all of your favorite podcast providers. It is so, so appreciated when you take the time to leave a little rating, review, tell a friend, support the show any way you can. I love you forever if you are one of the people who does that kind of thing. So thanks in advance if you have not already done it as well. Uh, All right, on today's show, just me going solo to break down the Raptors' heartbreaking 112-111 loss to the Portland Trailblazers on Monday night to close out their four-game Western road trip that ends 1-3. Despite the fact that it could have very easily been a 3-1, even a 4-0 road trip, it was a disappointing loss to be sure. A second straight game that a Pascal Siakam buzzer-beating shot uh, pops out, barely, barely pops out for the Raptors to lose. 
And, uh, you know, we're sitting here picking up the pieces of a 2-8 and eight start for your Toronto Raptors. So we're going to dive into my biggest takeaway from the game. We're going to check in on the rotation, which continues to be a revolving door of various guys who aren't necessarily all that good, although there were a couple of nice performances last night from the bench. And then we're going to dive into something that's kind of really cropped up on this road trip now that the Raptors have had a lot of close games. They've been kind of bad in crunch time. And so we're going to dive into what's going on there, what the numbers are, and miss some ideas I have for potentially turning that around just a little bit. But first, let's get to my biggest takeaway of the game, which is basically that having now seen them play these four games against these four Western teams and seeing things come together, I'm pretty convinced this is the best 2-8 and eight team of all time in the NBA. Like, they should not be 2-8. and eight. Obviously, your record is your record, and they're going to have to dig out of a bit of a hole here, although it's worth noting that the entire Eastern Conference is a weird, messy jumble. The Charlotte Hornets currently hold the sixth seed in the conference at 6-5. and five. So if you want to get into that play-in or above that play-in cutoff, it's going to not be necessarily all that difficult to track down some of these teams you would think over the course of the full season. And to get just into the play-in, I feel like that's going to be a foregone conclusion the way the Raptors are playing right now because they are not playing like a team that is and 2-8. Surely, in the first four or five games they were, it was a nightmare. Even the game they won against the Knicks was terrible and they probably should have lost if not for a historically bad shooting night from New York. But the last five games or so, the four games, whatever it's been, we've seen the Raptors kind of regain their joy a little bit. They seem like the Raptors. They're not this lifeless drag of a team to watch anymore, which is what they were for the first week. And I was terribly alarmed by that with Pascal Siakam looking as out of it and as yip affected as he was with there really not being anything in terms of center play, which is still true to this day, but there have been other guys who have kind of popped, namely Chris Boucher. Um, you know, we are not looking at a team that should be 2-8. and eight. Their point differential on the season over 10 games, they are a minus 14 over the entire season. It's 1,111 points for, 1,125 allowed. They are razor thin. They're right on the margin of being a 500-ish team. That's what their you know point differential suggests, maybe slightly below 500. But the way they've played, it has felt like Raptors basketball. It's felt like they've had control of most of these games on the road trip. You know, against Portland, the first half was super impressive. They gave a little bit back at the at the half. They end up going into the half only up five after having a pretty substantial lead during the first half, I think as high as 17 or 18. And it was disappointing to see them give it back, but there was a really encouraging stretch after the Blazers took a quick lead, 61-60. The Raptors bounced right back, went on a 12-0 run, aided by eight OG and Anobi points. And then you're looking at a, a, an 11-point lead again. And it was like, okay, we haven't seen that kind of snapback from this team. And so even as they continue to blow leads, there was positive things to kind of hang on to in this one. And I continue to feel like they're just not this bad and things will eventually turn. If they go eight and two in the next 10 games, I won't be terribly surprised given how weird everything has been and given how well they've played, you know, for 46 minutes a game over the last four or so. It's been really tough to see them blow away these leads uh, you know they didn't blow a lead against the Warriors they kind of clawed back from a pretty dismal performance for most of that game but a really spirited fourth quarter almost got them there you know there's just they're finding new ways and interesting ways to to lose these games eventually you would think that is going to turn and the biggest reason why is I mean Pascal Siakam looks amazing he had 22 again last night 13 
Uh, rebounds, 10 assists, the first triple-double for a Raptor since Jose Calderon back in 2012-13 for a guy, sorry, not named Kyle Lowry. Uh, Lowry's had like 14 since then because he's awesome. But Siakam looked as good as we've ever seen him as a playmaker last night. He looked comfortable, and when the Blazers really keyed in on him, after he scored 12 points on them in the first quarter, he was carving up Robert Covington. He was carving up pretty much anyone they were throwing on him. They started sending like two, three bodies his way, totally walling off his post-ups, really you know, inhibiting his ability to add to his point total. And he just started dishing dimes. He had 10 assists in the game, like I said. Five of those were in the first quarter, but a bunch of secondary assists were littered throughout the second half as well. Out of those post-ups that had nowhere to go, he was finding a Fred Van Vliet up top, and then Fred would swing into the corner. He was you know, finding cutters, things like that. I thought his playmaking in this game, the reads he was making were outstanding. Just three turnovers for him as well. He's at about a 2-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio, which has never been uh, the forte of Pascal Siakam in the past. It's usually kind of been even assist-to-turnover. He's looked great on that end of the floor, and it's been a ton of fun to watch him kind of refine that part of his game. And that is also opening up so many more things for him. It's just it's having all those different tools to go to. You know, you can continue to find your post game if you want you know he's, they're allowing him to work on the post because he's able to pass out of that when they send doubles and when they're not he's going to work he's pulling out the spin move that apparently is a bad thing now I didn't really pay attention to that discourse the spin move is cool and it scores a lot of points so I'm down to keep on seeing it you know he's working on those little mid-rangers the first bucket of the game he scored was that little one foot sort of Dirk-esque mid-ranger over a guy he was posting up he's got a little bit of counter to his game now he's not just a one-trick post and I'm just loving what we're seeing from Pascal Siakam that doesn't even include the incredible defense he's playing two straight games with like very notable possessions multiple possessions against Steph Curry and Damian Lillard maybe the two best point guards in basketball especially when in terms of just like their gravity and their difficulty to guard and he completely walled them off on multiple occasions last night in crunch time against the, the Blazers a possession where you know Dame had it up top he was isoed on Siakam. Siakam had five fouls, and he just stuck with Dame the entire time, forced a turnover. It was beautiful to see, and you're seeing all facets of Pascal Siakam right now. And because of that, because the team's most important scorer and maybe best player at this point, you know, you can debate it. Kyle Lowry's had a bit of an uneven start um, in terms of decision-making, and his defense has fallen off a little bit. To be expected for a 34-year-old who just only had two months off. Still probably the most important driving force of winning on the team, but Pascal is really cementing himself as the most important player on this team, the guy who kind of sets the floor and the ceiling for the team. I think with the way he's playing, the turnaround he's had over the last week, the joy with which he's playing, the scoring efficiency that is coming along, the getting to the line, which was a real problem in the first few games, not so much recently. He's got to hit the free throws. That's been a bit of an issue, but even then, he's getting to the line a lot more often. He's doing the things he wasn't doing before. It, the way he's putting it all together now gives me a lot of confidence that things will swing for this team at some point. When you have a guy playing at that level, he's playing at a really high level right now. The all-star we knew and, and enjoyed last year with more playmaking involved. I, I would imagine we're going to see the results kind of swing here for the team. And it's just... There are a lot of other reasons to feel pretty good about it, too. You've got Chris Boucher popping. You know, we've talked about how the team has four good players. They probably have five good players right now. Chris Boucher is playing his ass off. He's probably not going to shoot like 47% from three all season. But if he can be like a 37, 38, maybe a 40% shooter on, on wide open looks more often than not, 
that is just an immeasurable value for this team that is sorely lacking what they lost in Serge Ibaka. And what Boucher has provided has basically been a stand-in for Ibaka. He's obviously a little bit more erratic. He gets you know beat up on the glass a little bit more often. He's tough to have out there in clutch situations where you need rebounds. You know, last night against the Blazers, he was getting pushed off the spot quite often by like Carmelo Anthony and stuff. You don't want to see that, but the way he's scoring, I mean, his efficiency is through the roof. He's at like a 70% true shooting right now. Joe Wolfon tweeted out some insane figures about how his per 36 numbers are like historically good. Um, maybe just playing the full 36. I don't know. <laughs> he's been that good and I think has warranted the extra run he's gotten. He played 32 minutes last night. He closed. Uh, he just, he looked damn good. And to have that, to have a guy on your bench pop and become someone that you can count on as one of your trusted five, that's enormous for a team that really has been struggling to find anyone beyond that top core four. Even Norm Powell has, you know, he's going to, it's almost over talked about at this point, the fact that he makes horrible decisions pretty much every time he's on the floor. Yes, we get it. You don't need to beat the dead horse. He is doing that for you. It's still, he's turning it around a little bit. We've seen him be a little bit more active and dangerous in transition. The the threes where he's getting out, leaking to the corners, getting those hit-ahead passes and knocking them down. You know, the offensive side of the ball at least looks like it's coming along for him. The defense is a problem. And I mean, there were some stretches last night where Terrence Davis and Norm Powell are on the floor together. And that is just a nightmare defensively because those two make so many mistakes, just like insanely ill-advised closeouts where you're like running past CJ McCollum and he's like, okay, I'll take one step in and hit a mid-ranger, that kind of thing. That stuff's a bummer, and the defense is certainly a bigger concern right now than the offense, as the offense has suddenly climbed up to 16th and looks pretty good, and they're kind of implementing a lot of the Chris Finch stuff that we kind of expected to see, you know, a lot more in terms of elaborate screening sets and cuts and things like that, that we're getting a lot of really nice looks for the team on this road trip, you know, not just last night. The defense will come along, hopefully you would assume, and with Chris Boucher blocking uh, every third shot that's put up at the rim, that's certainly helping matters on that front. And I, I just, I feel like things are going to turn here. This isn't going to be the 20th best defense in the league all season long, even with the the loss of Ibaka and Gasol. Like, there's just so much defensive talent and IQ on this team, at least in the top levels of the roster. I feel like they'll sort it out at some point here. But, you know, it's going to require more guys to pop beyond just Chris Boucher. They're going to need Norm Powell to find it, and they're going to need more guys in the rotation to really click in as Nick Nurse continues to kind of play the revolving door of who's going to be his 8th, ninth, 10th men every single night. We saw more of it last night, and I want to get into the next segment into the you know process of establishing what your rotation is going to be. We're 10 games in now. There's not a ton of runway left here. Nick Nurse has to settle on something soon, you would think. We'll dive in a second into some of the bench performances. We'll talk about Stanley Johnson, who was surprisingly effective last night, and the guys who are still not getting a look, who I think should probably be getting in there at some point, over a guy like Terrence Davis or Alex Lentz. So that's coming up in just a sec. But first, let me tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts. Right now, there's so much stuff for you to throw your money down on. Down on. You got the NFL playoffs coming up. NHL hockey starts tomorrow. You've got futures bets you can bet on. And right now, when you go to betonline.ag, sign up for a free account, you are going to get a 50% welcome bonus when you use the promo code Locked On. That is, you know, if you put in 100 bucks, you're going to get an extra 50 bucks on top of that to play with. That's an awesome deal. And again, there's a million things to put your money down on. Basketball games every single night, football, hockey, whatever it might be. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get out on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 
Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, so just a heads up, tomorrow's show we're going to sort of do a 10-game status update on the team, compare how guys have performed relative to expectations through 10 games, and maybe look ahead to the next 10 games as well and see where we're going to be. And that's going to be with our pal Abdul Malik from uh, the wonderful Twitter account, Socialist Raptor. Mark Gasol, as you probably know him, he's going to be on the show on Wednesday. That's going to be a lot of fun, so stay tuned for that. All right, let's... uh dive into the bench here so main guys who got run last night there were nine guys who got run in this game four sort of rotation-y guys I guess three guys who are not really established parts you got the the main four you've got Boucher and uh, Powell who were in there and then the other three who got run in this game were Terrence Davis Stanley Johnson Alex Len I I guess I'm willing to see a little bit more of Stanley Johnson? Is that a weird thing to say? Is that insane? Am I crazy? Am I losing my mind? Is it Stockholm Syndrome? Is it Patrick McCaw Syndrome? I don't know. But Johnson was pretty good last night. I tweeted out in like the start of the third quarter that I was very much over the Stan experience. I had seen enough of Stan. And then he proceeded to have the best stretch he's played, non-meaningless game against the Sixers division uh, or the Nuggets division or whatever it was um, last year in the in the in the bubble that he's had with the Raptors he was really nice he had seven points four boards three assists including a gorgeous skip pass to the corner that led to a three and his defense was really excellent and, and you know you can't play him in crunch time because his offense is such a nothing that you're just never going to want him on the floor because the other team is going to ignore him completely but his defense would have been kind of nice as the Raptors were getting carved up by CJ and Dame to close the game. You just you can't justify it really to have him out there. But, uh, you know, I thought he was pretty good. And if he plays like he did against the Blazers, there's at least some utility for him. 23 minutes worth of utility? Probably not. But if you have him as your ninth man to come in, kind of do the Rondé thing where you're just offering insane defense and chaos and once in a while scoring around the basket, I think there's maybe a role for him. It just really requires that he kind of stays in his own lane. He can't dribble. He can barely play make. He has to not take it upon himself to do those things, especially when there are other players on the floor far more equipped to do it, which there always will be because he's oftentimes the least equipped guy on the floor to do that. But if he can do the cutting thing like he did last night and offer the defense and stand in the corner and maybe knock down a three or two, he was one of two from three last night. That was nice to see, I guess. You can't bank on that by any means. He's not a good shooter. But there are ways, if he's surrounded by other shooters, that you can kind of make it work, I guess. So I guess I'm not totally out on the Stan Johnson experience just yet. Give it some more time. I'm sure I'll be out soon. But after the game against the Blazers and some of the stuff he's done on this trip, 
Again, this might be Nick Nurse Stockholm Syndrome stuff. And I know last year, I kind of, by the end of the year, had warmed up to the idea of Patrick McCaw playing, even though that was certifiably insane too. But for now, playing those McCaw minutes, I think Johnson's kind of doing just fine. And maybe this is entirely recency bias after a decent performance. But um, he's, I think the least of the problems when it comes to the deeper rotation guys. Is he my first choice? Absolutely not, but there are other guys who would be less so my first choice, including Terrence Davis. So, look, you know my feelings on Terrence Davis. I don't think he should be on the team. The the court case stuff has been surprisingly or maybe not so surprisingly very quiet, not spoken about much, and we don't really know what the latest is on that. But he's going to play, it seems, and Nick Nurse seems to, to trust him to give a little bit of energy off the bench. The thing with Terrence Davis right now is that, yeah, he can get hot. He can hit some threes. You know, he had 18 points, I think, against the Warriors on Sunday. That was pretty essential. Uh, or he had 18 on Friday against the Kings. Again, pretty essential when he does come in and score those points because points are so hard to come by on this team. The morality of it all aside, I still think there is also a reason to not play him, and that is that he is an awful defender. He, as I talked about in the first segment, the... Anything he does on the offensive end, he hits a couple of threes. He's usually going on a quest to give it back on the very next possession, whether it's a wide open three that he's given up by an awful closeout or a, a missed, you know, off ball uh, defensive read or whatever it might be. He's just not a good defender whatsoever. And I understand why Nick Nurse is driven mad by him because he does dumb things. He picks up stupid fouls. He reaches in. He fouls shooters. He just does all the things that drive coaches crazy. And for me, there are other guys on the bench who can offer a similar sort of burst of offense who don't do those silly things defensively. Like, yes, Matt Thomas, bad one-on-one -on -one defender. That's totally fair. But at least he's, like, in position and doesn't do stupid things. And you can actually, you know, construct a zone where he can work just fine in it. And once in a while, he can kind of hang. You can hide him on the worst offensive player in the backcourt, and maybe you can survive. Terrence Davis just actively like goes out of his way to make silly plays. And I think, you know, the six points he scored last night were pretty much eradicated by what he was doing on the defensive end. He ended up being a minus nine in the game. Part of some pretty suspect bench lineups here and there, um, as you know, Nick Nurse has been wanting to put put out there so far this season. So Davis, I think for me, if in looking at my hierarchy, beyond my feelings on him being on the team, I just don't think he deserves a spot right now. He's not doing enough on both ends to really warrant it. And I suppose you could say the same about Stanley Johnson. On offense, he's not really doing anything. Well, in addition to the defense he is providing, but at least he's like staying within himself and not doing terribly stupid things that derail possessions every trip down the floor. Um, I think the other guy to talk about is Alex Len. I mean, it's just not happening, man. Zero points again last night, 10 minutes played. He's not good. He was in there, I guess, to match the size of Yusuf Nurkic. When he went out, they uh, went with Ennis Cantor, and they didn't really try to match Len uh, to Cantor at all. Maybe they should have, <laughs> in a way, to help with the rebounding and stuff because Boucher was getting bullied a little bit. But honestly, it's just Len was not offering any resistance to anybody, I don't think. And I don't think him and Cantor were really going to do much. I mean, there were a couple instances where, you know, a Cantor screen would hang up Fred, and then uh, Dane would just have an absolute screaming shot to the basket because Alex Lund was tracking back and he was way too out of position and all that. So just not doing it. I mean, do you go back to Baines at some point here? Maybe like at his ceiling and what we've seen their ceilings be in their careers, Baines is probably the better player. He's been so miserable so far this season that I don't know how you can trust him if you're Nick Nurse, but it's got to be better than Len, you would think. 
still, you know, this is a pretty depressing conversation and they should be trading for a center pronto if they can, because just neither of these guys seem to be the answer. Um, and then the guys who didn't see time last night, who I thought we might see Malachi Flynn, Yuta Watanabe didn't get in again. Matt Thomas seems to be forever in the doghouse. So sucks to be him, I guess. Um, but with Flynn and Watanabe, I think I want to see them in there over Davis and even a Johnson, frankly, I, I think Watanabe offers basically the same things that Stanley Johnson does. He's a little bit more jumpy on defense, but I think he's pretty stout on that end. The offense is very much not there, but at least he can hit a three. And Johnson, you know, the one he hit last night notwithstanding, that's not really his bag whatsoever. It never has been. And then Flynn, I mean, I've been over it enough times. Like Terrence Davis offers zero defense and kind of erratic offense, whereas Malachi Flynn offers smart team defense and maybe not like microwave scoring offense, but he can actually like run a possession and make the entire offense itself run more smoothly. And so if you swapped him in for Davis, I'd be much happier with the way the rotation looks. At some point here, something's got to give. Someone will pop, hopefully. Maybe it's Flynn. Maybe it's Watanabe. Maybe it's Matt Thomas getting another shot. Maybe Baines finds himself and he can be a serviceable uh, 15-minute-a-night backup. I don't know, but they're going to need somebody else to to sort of step in here and and be more than just uh, and make it more than just a six-man team because when Norm is playing well, yeah, okay, I'm willing to give you that they have six guys you can count on, but it is kind of a you know on the night and you see it when you see it and then you can kind of buy in as you're watching a Norm game unfold. You don't really know going in if you're going to get good Norm or bad Norm. But it's just Vivek has made the point, uh, he made it on yesterday's podcast, he's made it on Twitter. This is such a thin team right now. There's so little margin for error that if Kyle Lowry has a weird game like he did against the Blazers, then you kind of are screwed because there's no room for error. If Fred Van Vliet only scores 10 points and goes 4 of 13 and misses some big shots, there's not a lot of room for error. You're probably going to be screwed. You can't really have Siakam, OG, Boucher be your three best players on a night and expect to win. It's just there's not enough there. And so it's just any guy who can pop to make the margin of error just a little bit fatter and meatier would be really really a godsend and I don't know where it's going to come from my bet would be it's Flynn but that's going to be something to keep an eye on here we're going to talk again about the next 10 games and sort of try to map it out here but I would hope by the next 10 games are done by the time the next 10 games are done we'll see what Nick Nurse's ideal rotation is going to look like and hopefully some guys will have settled in and are offering night-to-night contributions And in fairness to the guys on the bench who have been erratic, it's not like Nurse has given long runways to any of these guys to get comfortable. It's been very, very stop and start. He's swapped in new guys seemingly every single night, and it's got to be tough to gain any sort of rhythm for a bench guy where rhythm is so important when you don't know if you're going to be playing that night or not. And so there's blame on both sides. I tend to go with just maybe the bench is not as deep and talented as we thought it was going to be, and there are a lot of flaws here. But I still think there's got to be some room. And that, that doesn't, I didn't even mention DeAndre Bembry, who for some reason is totally out of the... Uh, like, he can be Stanley Johnson, but with dribbling. Like, it, that's another weird one, too. So while Stanley Johnson was nice in this game and kind of popped, there's a lot of other guys who could do what he did and also offer different, more interesting things on the offensive end of the floor. So that's my basic read on the rotation situation right now. It's not awesome. They should go and trade for somebody immediately. Preferably a center who can catch a pass. Anyway, we'll continue on. We're going to wrap things up and kind of dive into the crunch time offense, which has been miserable so far this season. We'll get to that in just a sec. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at rockauto.com. 
the best place to go if you are trying to save money on car parts. Look, the mechanic is always trying to fleece you. They're trying to get the most out of you, and they are trying to prey on the fact that you know nothing. At least I know nothing, and I know I am meat for the mechanics of the world to just ring up the, the cashier and charge me all the money in the world. But not anymore, because rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, and they are the place to go for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything, engine control mod brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpets, whatever it might be for your classic or your daily driver. You get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. RockAuto.com catalog is also unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your car or truck. Choose the brand specifications and prices that you prefer as well. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. Same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers as well. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right, right now and see all the parts available for your vehicle. Right, locked on. And there, how did you hear about us, Box? You know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right, before we dive into the crunch time stuff in just a second, a reminder that you can go and listen to Locked On Bets, our new gambling show with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports every single day, giving you their best bets and wagers uh, for the night of sports. And they're making you some money, whether it's a big event like the college football championship or a regular old Wednesday night of basketball games. Go listen to Locked On Bets to win yourself some bucks. All right, I want to wrap up on a quick note about crunch time. So you may remember last year, the Raptors were a buzzsaw in crunch time. They were the number two crunch time in the league behind the Thunder. They were beating the tits off of teams all season long when things got down. And a lot of it was to do with the fact that the Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry pick and roll in whatever iteration, whether it was a 1-4 or 4-1, was basically unstoppable. Uh, when you factored in the fact that you had, um, you know, good shot makers in Serge Ibaka and you, when he was playing crunch time in the injury riddled parts of the season and you had Marcus Gasol out there doing extra playmaking and the defense and all that stuff. I mean, the defense itself was its own crunch time weapon last year. That has not been the case so far this season for the Raptors. As of right now, with 25 minutes played, which of course, small sample theater and all that, keep that in mind, but they're sort of middle of the pack in total crunch time minutes played, 25 crunch time minutes played so far. They have a net rating of brrr, minus 37, 28th in the league, 86.5 offensive rating, 123.5 defensive rating. The only teams worse than the Raptors in crunch time are the Washington Wizards, who are terrible, and the Miami Heat, who have been COVID-addled and clearly tired from their long finals run. And the Raptors are 0-5 in games that have involved crunch time as well. 
That's not good and very much does not line up with what they were as a team last year. And a lot like a lot of the different sort of deficiencies this team has, I don't think you can chalk them all up to, oh, Marcus Saul and Serge Ibaka left, ergo, they're bad at that thing now. There's just no way that they dropped off from being number two in the lead to number 28 by losing two guys, one of whom didn't even play in crunch time, regardless of the game. You know, they never closed with both of them. It was either Gasol or Ibaka, depending on who was available. So it's tough. It's tough to figure out, but maybe it's also not. I've been kind of taking note of what they've been doing in crunch time. And look, I love Fred Van Vliet. I think Fred Van Vliet, as we talked about on yesterday's podcast, is vastly improved. He's doing a lot of things that really kind of alter what I view his ceiling to be, namely the finishing from two-point range. But it is a little bit of a Fred show in crunch time, it seems right now. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but it does seem anecdotally like Fred's running the show quite a bit. And that Pascal Kyle pick and roll has just not been there all that often. And I would even be okay with a Fred Pascal pick and roll at this point. I mean, Pascal is playing incredibly well. I like Kyle in there because Kyle's a great screener and he works so well with Pascal. The chemistry there is incredible. And that is really a tried and true play that they can run. Again, regardless of whether Kyle or Pascal is the ball handler in the possession, they're not running it a ton. There's been a lot of Pascal kind of hanging in the corners, a lot of post-ups, and that, I think, is leading to the the offense being kind of porous. You know, I think it has to get better, obviously. They're not going to be an 86.5 offensive rating team in crunch time all season long. That's unsustainably bad. But I think they can do themselves some favors by just doing the thing that worked all season last year. Again, it was a thing that we were maddened by through the first you know 43 minutes of games because they wouldn't run that play all that often and it was basically an instant bucket anytime they did run it it'd be nice to see them kind of go to that a little bit more there was a lot of Chris Boucher in crunch time last night like him screening um, and a lot of times where there wasn't a lot of screening action going on and so I'd like to see them just kind of go to their bread and butter and, and what works in fairness, you know, it seems like they're trying to incorporate a lot more pet sets into their crunch time offense. You know, we saw last night a little screen uh, spring Pascal free for a, a big dunk, uh, you know, a couple like wide open runs to the rim for Pascal. So that was good to get him those looks. But that sort of play finisher stuff, there wasn't much involving Pascal in the main sort of action of the play, which is what I'd prefer to see. Nice to see him be the benefactor of some good, you know, reads and some good off ball screening and stuff like that. But I'd rather him just kind of be the one who has the ball in his hands and this goes to you know the the final game the end end part of the game stuff too I mean I'm happy the last two games we've seen them go to Pascal to close the games I'm not sure it was option number one against the Warriors it certainly was against the Blazers and I'm glad they've gone to that back-to-back games and I mean the shot they got to close the game against the Blazers was a really good one I thought it was a fine one against the Warriors Sunday the one on Monday was an excellent Pascal Siakam ass shot it just popped out and missed. That's unfortunate, but I like what they've done in those very, very late crunch time situations. Do it a little bit more often. You're going to get those good looks. Pascal is a guy who creates good looks, and with the passing he has right now in his bag, I feel like you're going to open up a lot of things. If you give Pascal the ball to open up these possessions, the way the Blazers were selling out to stop him, how are you not going to have stuff open up elsewhere for him if he's your main initiator when things matter most? Because he's terrifying teams right now. He was horrified. Like, the Blazers were horrified by him basically from the jump last night and were playing as such. And that's why you saw a lot of open threes for OG Ananobi, a lot of threes that Kyle Lowry couldn't knock down, but he got him anyway. A lot of threes for Chris Boucher, who very much did knock them down. 
if you give Pascal and have his gravity, who you know he has better gravity than anyone on the team right now because of just the problem he is when he's in close to the basket. I, I just feel like that's the way to go, and maybe you can turn the tide. And then the other side is the defense too. The defense has been terrible so far in crunch time. One twenty three point five defensive rating, as I said, that is the uh, seventh worst, eighth worst defensive rating in the NBA in crunch time as well. So not quite as dire as the offense necessarily, but it's certainly not good. Um, the offense uh, ranks uh, 26th in the league, so yeah, that's not good either. But um, the defense, yeah, like that was such a weapon for them last year. I believe they were like a sub-90 defensive rating in crunch time, if I recall, last season. It was insanely good, and obviously having Marcus All certainly helps that. They shouldn't be this bad, though, and I, I wonder... If it's just a matter of finding the right mix, they haven't gotten to that small lineup very often. That lineup is really good at defense and it was excellent in crunch time in the postseason last year. So maybe just getting that lineup out there more often for a bigger sample will help turn the tide here. But it's, again, a 25-minute sample. It's not a lot of minutes, but it's definitely worth keeping an eye on because that was really where the Raptors turned a, a 50-ish win season into a 60-win season last year. It was They just were dynamite in close games. You know, coin flip games often came up Raptors, and that is hard to do. Right now, they're all coming up for the other team, and the Raptors are losing these games basically on those coin flips. And if they can find a way to massage the math a little bit more, get a little bit more in terms of Pascal action in, in those late-game situations, I think they probably stand a good chance of turning around what has been a dismal start in crunch time so far this year. Anyway, that's it for me today. I will wrap it up there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, I'll be back again tomorrow. I'll be joined by our pal, Socialist Raptor, a.k.a. Marks Gasol, a.k.a. Abdul Malik. That'll be a lot of fun. Can't wait to have him on the podcast for the very first time. It'll be first his first guest appearance, so keep an eye out for that early Wednesday morning. Um, until then, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. Always appreciated. Go listen to other stuff on the Lockdown Network as well. If you're a hockey fan, the NHL season starts tomorrow, and there's a lot of great content for you for covering all the teams you like whether you're a raptor a leafs fan any canadian team whatever it might be we have shows covering them all go and subscribe rate review support those shows because they're doing awesome work covering the upcoming nhl season all right that'll do it thank you so much for tuning in uh we'll talk to you again on wednesday with another episode of locked on raptors and we'll talk to you again with another episode of locked on raptors on wednesday morning have a good one everybody bye bye Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.